0: You know, here at the National Police Association, we absolutely revere the Second Amendment and we support a citizen's right to protect themselves, to uh, carry a firearm. And uh, so I thought that this gentleman uh, was somebody that you all needed to meet because he really takes this to heart. Uh, in a state that really doesn't particularly revere the Second Amendment. So, Savi Waldman, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So, um, you know, first and foremost, um, if you're suing your governor, right? Let's talk about that.
1: Yep, kind of. If no one is going to do it, someone has to step up.
0: See, and I, and that's what I, I love about you. You know, You know, if not who, when, if not uh, you know if, if if not me who and so talk about how uh, you came to this spot because you're a guy you're a guy who enjoys shooting enjoys safety things like that um, talk about how this all came about
1: so I grew up in Brooklyn New York and in Brooklyn New York it was back then it was nearly impossible to to get a pistol license it's something I always wanted I always cherished the the ability to you know of self defense the the freedom the responsibility the spirit that comes along with it and uh, with firearms ownership so as soon as i started a family i moved out of brooklyn i moved to rockland county um and i applied for a pistol license together with my wife we went through the whole process we got the gun um i started going to the range to practice i was looking for like classes and like you know different instructors because I wanted to become proficient in it. I kept them running into a problem is that most of these classes were given on the Sabbath. As a absorbent Orthodox Jew, I couldn't do that. So whenever I was at the range and I saw someone else from my community, I took down his name, took down his phone number. When he had a couple of names, I found a local instructor. I told him, hey, I have 10 guys. Can we do a class that's a Saturday night after the Sabbath ends or on a Sunday? And that's how we started. We started training together and it just grew um, so we opened up a, you know, a, a social media group for, for, you know, all the participants in those classes. And then we gave it a name, New York State Jewish Gun Club. After a couple of months, we gave it a logo and then a website happened. And it just turned into this community of people helping other people in my community um, with firearms, you know, with with a pistol process. It was a very, it's a, it's still, it's an onerous, it's a long process, a lot of paperwork. And it just grew into a community. And I started getting involved in activism. I think it was after the the shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. Then we all said, okay, it's time for us to carry and shoe. Then came the question, how do we get our license unrestricted? Because at that time, uh, that was before Bruin. So, I, so we started getting in touch with other organizations. We started helping with lawsuits and different litigation, different things. Um, fast forward to a year ago, when the Supreme Court ruled on 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 the Serpa v. Bruin case and they mm-hmm. kind of went away with all the with all the I guess with all the I guess machigassen mm-hmm. that that New York State puts all, all the hurdles. Um and then you know you would think that they would actually respect the Supreme Court, but no, they had to throw in a whole bunch of stuff and they made it even more comp they made it even more complicated and more onerous so we decided, you know what? We're just gonna, you know, f- pull together some money, hire some smart lawyers, and find and file a lawsuit. So we filed the lawsuit of Goldstein v. And, um, Mr. Goldstein is a person that lives in Brooklyn. He is part of a synagogue of a congregation, and he was carrying for years. He had it unrestricted, and after Bruin, he was not allowed to do it anymore. So we went ahead and we're fighting it.
0: So there are people that that will say, um, you know, why do you need to carry a gun? Just call the police. What do you say to that?
1: Look, at the end of the day, you have to have mad respect for police. Uh, the the audacity and the, and the courage that they have to have in order to go in and to interdict in the active shooter is 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 incredible. Um, as somebody that trained and have done force and force, I know the feeling and I know what it's like. But at the end of the day, they're not everywhere. And as fast as they can get there, I think the statistics is for New York City, anywhere from three to nine minutes. In three minutes, a lot of people can die. And the only way to close that gap is to have a citizen with a gun and to interdict right away till the police arrive.
0: Yeah, That is so well said. And that that's something that we talk about a lot is that, you know, because there's You know, you hear in the media, you know, oh, uh, police want uh, less guns. That's absolutely not true. There's some police leaders, uh, you know, many that are politically affiliated who say, oh, we want more gun control. But uh, in reality, you know, the boots on the ground law enforcement, like I was for 29 years, an armed, trained citizen who is able to protect themselves and the people around them is is just absolutely golden and and one of the things that uh, I like about what uh, your organization is and what you espouse personally is that it's not just go buy a big gun and get a bunch of bullets. It's you've got to train and you've got to do it responsibly. I've heard you uh, you know in the media and in your interviews say that so many times that they're that owning and carrying, a firearm is a huge responsibility. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. Um, when you have a firearm, you have to understand that power can do, and you kind of have to like live, I guess, on a different level of consciousness. Like be aware of your surrounding. It's a it's a privilege that you have and you're proud and you're proud to have it. It's not something you take you, you take for granted. And it kind of for, at least for me, it like even walking on the street with it. You avoid dangerous situations because you understand the implications of misusing it and it kind of creates a safe environment. It's like, I'm not going to go in dangerous places because I don't want to get into stupid situations. You know, so it it does a lot to prevent you. and because you know of what it can do and the potential harm it can it can do. So you kind of have to kind of mitigate that. And you only only want to use it in the worst case scenario if your life is literally on the line. And it's in again, it creates it creates like a certain person, like living with a certain, I guess, gravitas or like like proudness that you have that you're an American. And you see the same thing, because a lot of times when when I when we talk to people, we're like, Oh, how will a police officer want to react if you have a gun? Uh, like, you know, think about the officer stopping you on the side of the highway. Every if you act like a mensch the officer is going to respect you they're going to feel that you know the respect of the officer and they're not even going to ask you about your gun you know what i mean there's no need for it as long as as you do what you're supposed to do you don't do anything stupid everything is going to go by smoothly without any incident if you if you are stupid then stupid things will happen so it's more it's more the personality and how you look at things how you look at the cops how you look at the overall firearms ownership
0: yeah, and you're right. And it is a i I love that you see it as a privilege, you know, uh, you know, I carry all the time as a re- retired law enforcement officer. And my husband and I talk about those very same things that we're going to avoid dangerous situations, and we're going to, we're going to behave in a certain way because we have a responsibility as an armed citizen um, to behave in a certain way. And I I want people to think about all the videos that you see of armed gangbangers and armed criminals and people who act like idiots with guns. And then I want you to compare that to responsible firearm owners and, and people who use firearms. And a big part of that, and this is something that I've heard you talk about, too, is Family involvement, because I know a lot of people who who will say, well, I have little kids, you know, I don't want my kids around firearms and uh, and in reality, what you need to do and I've heard you talk about this is 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 teach kids how dangerous a firearm is, how we need to be responsible around it, but take the mystery out of that. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's simple. Kids
1: are curious. Their minds wander. And if you don't, like I guess, feed their curiosity, they're going to figure it out on their own and it can be dangerous. So teaching kids the same way, a knife is dangerous. You don't play with a knife. If you want to cut yourself, if you want to prepare yourself a, a a piece of cake, you're going to ask your parents to do it at a certain age when they see when when you know when when you when you can prove that you're safe with it they'll let you do it on your own the same thing has to do with a firearm so and when the kids are young um and the gun is safe like when you clean the gun it's okay if kids see it and they'll ask questions and you answer those questions and later when they're at the right age take them to a range with something light like a 22 you know um lr bolt action something small and just Put them behind it when when they're at their appropriate age. Again, every kid is different. You have to understand your kid, and you have to make that determination based on their personality and you know their development. But at the end of the day, this will 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 cause situation. This will create situations that if they do come across a firearm or they're in someone else's house and they see a firearm, they will act in in a in a safe way with it.
0: There used to be a video series uh, for kids. It was a cartoon video series uh, called Eddie Eagle. And and the, it was very simple. They taught kids, if you come across a firearm, either at your parents' house or somebody else's house, stop, don't touch, leave the area, tell an adult. End of story, you know? And if we would all teach these rules and talk about these rules, you know, we could reduce the accidental shootings of children and when when that happens you know most of the time um it's in a home where they are irresponsible gun owners
1: right especially now after the supreme court um ruling um firearms is going to become way more popular as popular as it now it's only going to grow especially with the states um doing constitutional carry i think it's something that like you know, maybe the school should teach you know um because it's it's crucial we have to we have to recognize where we are in society and what's going to happen and if we're going to try to like look away that you know look the other way it's not going to do us any good the fact is firearms are here to stay it's only going to grow Um, this is america it's in our constitution this is the one thing that that you know that that keeps everything else in the constitution in check and we have to embrace it and we have to do our work and make sure that that it's kids are safe and kids grow also grow up understanding what it's all about
0: now as a practicing orthodox jew i'm gonna guess you have friends and family who have said we want nothing to do with guns because of the suffering of our relatives and ancestors at the hands of firearms how do you answer that
1: so it's it's something that i'm very well familiar with especially because i'm my grandmother was a little girl during the Holocaust, and she was kind of on the run. Um, her father was a rabbi in Budapest before the war, and they literally had a list with her picture, and they were they were hunting her down. So she was h- hiding out in in the fields and in, in in the cornfields and, and farms in different areas. And When I asked her that the question, I I heard the tremors in her voice when I asked her about guns, um, and we have to respect that. We have to understand why it is. You know, why why they have that trauma, because it was the one thing that uh, that marched people into the cattle carts. It's the thing that forced them into submission. But on the other hand, I have spoken to and I have had in school um, people come down and speak to us who are part of the partisans and were there fighting back. So we have this kind of this balance when people go through a, a trauma situation. Everybody takes it differently and everybody learns something else out of it. But at the end of the day, we are like sixty years past the Holocaust. We're already in the second generation afterwards, and we're living in America, where where we have the right, and it's it's a right that is designed to preserve our freedoms. So if you want to live in America as an as an Orthodox Jew or any religion or even as a conservative with with strong values, you have to embrace. It's time that we embrace the Second Amendment for the aspect of not only personal security, but understanding it's there to protect our way of life against government.
0: And that's something that some people think is controversial. You know, you talk to people for, I do a lot of international traveling. You talk to people, why do you have, why do you Americans all have guns? You know, they, they think we're crazy cowboys and, and, uh, and this and that. And, and that's one of the things that we talk about is, uh, it's not just to protect us from criminals, right? And and again, I I was a government employee from age seventeen to age fifty, Um, so I do appreciate my government. However, the Second Amendment isn't just to protect you from the bad guys, right? Hundred percent, and
1: it's also how the government looks at it. If the government respects it, then there's a certain respect they have against the citizens and we live in harmony you can even see it in the states that don't respect the second amendment it's because they don't respect the people and that means police policies that don't work well with their citizens and it cra- and it creates a lot of issues and a lot of strife and they'll always try to fix it with a different government program and look at new york i mean it, it's a mess every way you turn it i mean you have you have every single day i see these crazy videos on social media um with Like people are just randomly shooting at each other. It just, it just, it just, and they do it with like punity. They don't even care. It's as if they're immune from, from anything the police will do to them. And this happens because, you know, the failed policies of the, of the Democrats and the Democrat runs, run cities. And the more they try to fix it with, you know, the worse it gets. So they have to come to realize, respect the citizen, respect the law and there's a natural way it will fix itself
0: um in your view, how has the defund the police movement, especially the last three years of the absolute vilification of the American law enforcement officer? How has that affected life just for you as a new yorker um and uh, you know, business owner? you know, how do you see that?
1: so i I think it it's terrorized the citizen. I think it's a form of oppression. Um, I don't think this is what the founding fathers meant when they said life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Living under the, like, in a society when the people can are running the streets with, with impunity, doing ridiculous stuff, and the DA's office have a revolving door policy when it comes to the bail reform and all that other um nonsense it creates almost as if you're living in a soviet country to be honest like 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 when i go into new york city there's an amount of my stress level automatically goes up because i need to be aware now i need to like as i say head on a swivel i need to be situationally aware on an heightened unnatural level that is not natural to me so for all my friends living in new York city i feel bad for you i i mean it's It's tough, you know, in the certain areas you absolutely avoid, you don't go there. And, and a lot of times when I'm driving through and, you know, I make a wrong turn on the highway or the exit is closed and I end myself, I find myself in a, in a bad neighborhood. The first thing we do is how do we get out of it? I don't even care if I'm going the right direction, but let me get out of there. It's, you need to be very, very, um, situational aware and you need to be, cognitive of you know whatever, um cognizant of your surroundings because you could very easily end up in a dangerous situation
0: yeah absolutely you know what do you tell people what you're hoping to accomplish um with this lawsuit because obviously you're never going to change kathy Hokel's mind but um but you can affect her legally what what's the end game
1: so as an Orthodox Jew, we spend an average of 20 hours a week in synagogue between all the prayer services on Saturday and throughout the week, the morning prayer, the afternoon prayer, the night prayer. And and I want that, you know, people in my community who got a firearm, who got the training, should be able to carry in a synagogue. So right now, the, so the law, the CCIA, the law they passed after Bruin, states um it's prohibited to carry the exact lang- languages they they prohibited carrying a firearm in house of worship and religious observation so not only is a band to carry a handgun in house of worship they also add a religious observation the problem with religious observation is very vague i mean my keeper technically is a religious observation i have it because i'm a religious observant jew so am i not allowed to have my gun on me they realized how ridiculous this was and When when we had our hearing in front of the judge, the city, the state did not have an answer for it. They realized how vague, how ridiculous it is. So they went ahead and they changed it. They took out religious observation and put in um, house of worship, except for those who are designated security. Okay, it sounds good. You know, right off the bat, it sounds good. But if you look into it, the issue with this is, if I have somebody that is out in the street, he's going to a pizza shop with his family, he has his gun on him, and he needs to run in for 10, 15 minutes to do a quick prayer. Now he has to take off his gun because the community—it's not like everyone has his his designated um, um, whatever synagogue where where he prays. That that might be the case on the week on the, on the weekend, but during the week, a person will run in quickly and you know catch a small prayer here and you know. So when you des- when you designate somebody for security for the house of worship, you are liable for it. You have to get insurance for it. Well, New York State will not give you insurance for it, except if this guy is a registered security guard. A registered security guard was already exempted from this law. So at the end of the day, this law did nothing. It sounded good on paper. They did it to throw off, to throw off the judge. But if you look into it, it's nonsense. So I want that if you're any, any Jew and you walk into a synagogue, you should be able to carry it without any questions, without any problems. Because it's not people within the community we are scared about. The people that will come harm us don't care of any of these laws.
0: Is the law, do you feel like the state is trying to push you toward hiring private security? There's not enough
1: security guards in the entire state to be able to protect every single um, synagogue. And second of all, there's no, the same way you don't need a hire press secretary to talk. You gotta get on Facebook and post whatever you want. And I can go in front of my house and talk. I don't, I shouldn't have to outsource my security. It's a fundamental right. It's, a, it's in the constitution.
0: I love that. Uh, So we're running out of time. Where can people find you, um, your social media, uh, learn more about the website, all of that?
1: So you can go to nysjewishgunclub.com. You'll see all the information over there. The the donation button to help fund our lawsuits uh, is on the right-hand side on top. Social media links are all on the bottom.
0: I tell you, I cannot... Thank you enough for spending time with us today. This is such an incredibly important topic. And I hope people uh, take a look at your lawsuit and uh, and realize that you don't just have to sit back and take what your anti-gun government has to offer, that you really do have options. You're you're uh, inspiring and very brave. And we so appreciate you spending time with us today. And if you would like more information about us, visit the National Police Association at NationalPolice.org. Ma'am, put the gun down! Put the gun down!
1: Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation.
0: Put the knife on the ground.
1: In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when
0: a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order.
1: Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers.
0: Together, we can help de escalate
1: these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.